All right, so I passed around a bunch of books. I don't know if they made their way around, but they're, um, they stopped. There should be four books. I'm discerning a bunch of stuff from those four books. I decided that we're not going to go into too many of them, mainly just one, because <laughs> it, was, it was way too much, but uh, there's good information in those books. And this is sort of the, the closing of our month of missions. And I figured it would be good. It would be good to be good to do it on this note. Sorry. Man. The wind is blowing me. Hold on a second. I do like the air. I do like the air, so don't touch the fan. There we go. All right. So um, I thought this was appropriate because over the years, we have had a number of people go into the mission field. We've had a number of people um, go work in the church. Uh, we've had people hand-wringing over how they were going to serve. They, I mean, to the point of being stressed, anxiety, uh, a tension was created because they're like, oh, we're hearing all this stuff at Remedy and at church, and we're, you know, you guys talk about missions, we're talking about church. I feel like the Lord is, is inspiring me, is calling me, is wanting me to serve. So, I guess that means I need to quit going to college. I, I guess that means I need to, um, uh, I mean, we had, we had a young man that was, he had two classes to finish at Sac State. So he was going quit to quit Sac State and uh, uh, go into uh, a, a local seminary. I go, no, dude. Jonathan and I are like, no bad idea. Finish your school at Sac State. You will not, reg you will not regret that. Um, then you can, do, you can do whatever you want after that. Just finish it up. Finish what you started. Uh, we've had people say, oh, I need, I need to be a pastor. I, need to, I go, need to go to work at church. And my question always was, well, why do you need, I don't understand why you need to go work in a church or for a church. That makes no sense to me. I don't see any biblical backup for that. So we've done studies on to try to relieve the hand-wringing of what, what I should do with my life. Because, you know, when you hit anywhere in between 18 and 29, you go through this period of time where you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my life? Is this, <laughs> is, is this, is this all there is? Is this what I'm going to be doing? Is this what I want to do? What do I want to do? I'm confused. And I can't tell you how many people have come to me in Remedy and said, Randall, I go, what? I need to talk to you. Okay. So we go off the side after everybody's going down, clamoring, climbing each other to get the last of the postmodern snacks. And um, we have this very intense discussion. And the discussion is, I think, 
I need to go overseas and be a missionary. I go, whoa, whoa, really? Why is that? I think God is calling me to be a missionary. I said, what did he say? Well, you know, it's hard to describe. It's just, you know, I, I, I just feel like that's something I should do. And I, and I know where, I need to, where I'm going to go, too. So you already know God told you where you're going to go? Yeah. Are you sure you're prepared for mission work? Aren't you kind of wrestling with a lot of things in life, trying to get through a lot of stuff? Isn't life kind of tough with, on you right now? Yeah, it is, but I think this would be the best thing. I said, I, th- I think, son, you better, let, let's pray. We'll, you pray for about it for a few weeks, and we'll get back. We'll get back on it. I'll pray, you pray, and we'll, I'll, I'll see what God's telling me about it. See, see if he'll give me a clue. Um, and that person never got back to me again. So I guess God hung up the phone or something. I don't know if he was calling him. He was, he's just like, what? <laughs> no, he you know, if God calls you, then truly calls you, then, then I guess you're disobedient if you don't do what he asks. That's, I guess, where the stress and the hand-wringing comes in. So all that is to say <clears throat> that as we, we listened last week to um, Octavio and Fanita from Columbia, and then before that, we heard from our, I think it was, huh? Rick, <clears throat> talking about prison ministry. And then before him, the guy from SIM, Jim Ardell. <laughs> Why is that funny? Because he remembers. He does remember. I need, you need to hang out with me because I forget everybody's names. That, that works. You can probably go through the whole class, right? I could never do that. That's why I'm not in do, do teaching. Um, so, um, and who was it before that? I think it was Derek and Danielle talking about their trip to India, I believe. So we've had a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of information from literally all parts of the world. SIM goes where most people don't, right? The inter- anybody remember what SIM stood for? Interior? Interior. <laughs> Mission. Yeah. So that was the interior of Africa is what they were. You know, the guys that went over there in the late 1800s and they put all their clothing in pine boxes for coffins when they went over because they didn't expect to come back and, and they didn't. So... Um, so we heard a lot about missions, but where does that put everybody? Where does that put us? That's where, <laughs> I'm sorry. Where does that put you? Uh, <laughs> I kind of know where I'm at. I don't know. You guys are the ones that might be wondering where that puts you. So <clears throat> I came across especially the one book, if they made this way, the one on top there, Andrew. And I believe it's um, that one's is your your vocational uh, credo. Some would call it credo if they're from Southern California. By Deborah Cohen Lloyd. 
that's where I'm getting most of my information from because I just liked she just kind of hit the bullseye on really what I wanted to speak on because sometimes I tend to come up with stories I don't know what it is I like telling stories and sometimes it gets a little too personal on the stories but and and part of it is it's just what comes to mind we've we've had people spend lots of money and travel all over the world and lots of countries and um, and there's confusion you know did I make the right call I'm not talking about you guys by the way I'm not I'm thinking of somebody else that's why I, it gets too personal when I get into these stories and I'm not talking about you either um, nobody in here I'm not talking about anybody I'm not mentioning names but no um, so I won't get too personal but it it was it created a lot of a lot of um, turmoil for some of the people I am thinking of it created a lot of tension for me it, it bothered me about the way they were going about it uh, their um, their logic and the, the the process they were going through to try to figure figure out if they should do it and raising money and getting lots of people involved and then sometimes getting very ill getting very sick so it, it just seems like wow are we we teaching the right thing are we making sense here are we we're do we need to teach more on this and I think we just need to teach more on it so that's what that's what we're gonna do here so <clears throat> everybody's probably heard in the Christian walk of life a calling right is anybody not heard of a calling you have? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, and then people have heard of, obviously, vocation. But it does get confusing, right? A little bit when you think about vocation. It gets real confusing when you think about calling. Especially in the, quote, outside world, outside the Christian bubble. Uh, people think calling, calling. You know, what, what is that? God's call, is God talking to them? What, what's going on? This is driving me nuts. Um, so I, I have a couple of definitions. The place God calls you, and I think I put this in yours. Yes, I did, by Frederick Buchner. Does anybody want to, uh, now maybe I better read it if I'm talking here. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I kind of like that quote. The place God calls you is to the place where your deep gladness, what makes you happy, and the world's lack of happiness meet. So, call comes from a, and vocation are tied together in, in their word, word meanings. The Latin for it is vocatio meaning a call or a summons or an invitation. Um, in the Bible, it's, it's used to meaning um, uh, a, a bidding or a asking to come forward in an act or practice of faith. And so these two things get confused because if we used it, if we used um, 
vocation now, we think of what? Jobs. And actually, if you think of a, a vocational work or vocational training, what do you think of? Yeah. You were at a vocational place, right? NCCT? And what do they teach? Construction. Yeah. Training for jobs. Mostly manual labor jobs, right? Because so that's what a lot of people think of vocational. Derek, where you work, they train you. Is it considered vocational work? Probably. Yeah. It's a vocational college. In the healthcare field. Yeah. The healthcare field. So that's where we think of those words. However. As this lady said in her book, calling and vocation are sisters from a common mister. You like that? It's kind of catchy. Calling and vocation are sisters from a common mister. But current usage causes them to be more like brothers from different mothers. <laughs> so um, she's got a sense of humor. So today we use calling to describe a bidding from the outside of oneself, usually God, uh, for some spiritual purposes, right? To, I have a calling to preach. I've got a calling to be a missionary. I've got a calling to um, uh, lead worship in a church in Arizona. That's a little too close to home. Um, and comparison, vocation, like we said, could be welding or carpentry or food service or any kind of uh, manual, manual jobs or the medical field. Um, but in, in the end... It can be any career. It, it can't. No, I'm, it, it can be. It's just used fairly loosely. And I'm going to get to the biblical aspect of it here pretty shortly. Um, and now it could be accounting, right? That can be a vocation. But everybody, almost everybody today in today's world would say there's a, there's a spiritual, one, one is kind of spiritual and the other is kind of natural or secular, right? I mean, you wouldn't say I got a, my vocation is this because I want to be a carpenter. You might say you wouldn't call that a calling. I didn't get a calling to be an accountant. Yes, no, you did not. So you made a decision to do it. So one is spiritual, one is not. One answers to God and the other is to financial responsibility, typically. I need a job. I need to be trained. That's going to be my vocation. Everything right with that, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but when you're, gee whiz, um, when you're talking about, from a biblical standpoint, or maybe a more, uh, a spiritual view, then God's people are called to work in harmony with the Holy Spirit, rather than merely to earn a paycheck. Working for money is necessary. It's admirable. You need it for sustenance. And so either way, whether it's a spiritual or for sustenance, um, vocation is possible. 
But what does the Bible call it? The Greek word used is kaleo, kaleo, to describe a bidding forward into a new way of life. I put that on yours, right? I put all that stuff on there, on your handout. <clears throat> and if we read Romans, I have some verses here. And on the back of your sheet, you'll see small group discussion we're going to get into. It's, it's going to be a very interesting discussion, I would think, as well. And in Romans 11.29, it says, For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. In 1 Corinthians, it says in chapter 1, verse 26, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. And you can interchange, you can put in the word kaleo when it talks about that. That's, that's the direct word in those verses. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called, kaleo. Not many of you were wise by human standards, and not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Believers were, if you pardon the way I use this, kaleod, kaleod, to a pure walk, to the high road of faith in the Bible. That's probably part of the reason we use it when we think about being called to work in the church or as a missionary or doing church work. <clears throat> in Philippians, in chapter 3, 14, it says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, kaleoed me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is all, these are all fairly spiritual, or very spiritual. Second Thess Thessalonians 1.11. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and kaleidowed us, called us, to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And we can even go um, uh, outside of Paul to the Apostle Peter. He kaleoed believers to embody their divine nature. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever, verse 9, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, 
forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Verse 10, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling, your kaleo, and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. So he's going through this whole, Peter's going through this whole buildup. Boom, boom. Mutual affection, love, perseverance, godliness, self-control, knowledge. And you're blind and nearsighted. But you have to make every effort to confirm your calling. So if we go by just what Peter's saying, we better be teaching about something like this, right? We, you better make every effort to confirm, to make sure what your calling is. And you can discuss in your small groups when we break up in a minute what you think your calling is. We've done this before here this year. Remember? When was that? February? March? It was earlier this year, was it not? We went around? I don't know. Time flies. We'll get into it later. The author of Hebrews kaleidoed, kaleoed the people to a heavenly expression of life on earth by following Jesus' example in Hebrews 3. Verse 1, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. So, again, I repeat, kaleo is a compelling um, calling out or uh, uh, asking you to, to come forward and step forward. And typically spiritually, taking a step forward in faith. Kind of goes to what that first song was, right? That's why I created you. If not you, then, then who? You're, you're concerned about all the stuff and the strife you see in the world. Isn't that what the song was about? And you're praying to me about it, but that's why I got you. You go do it. And do it now. Yikes. Be careful what you sing about or pray for or whatever. So, how did the meaning morph into this spiritual exercise of faith lived in harmony with the Spirit and then being called into working in the nursery at church? Anybody work in the nursery at church before? Nancy and I the only ones? Yeah, well, there you go. That's good enough. Nursery little kids. That is a calling. If I've, no, wait a minute. I don't know if that's a calling or not. How about the people that get stuck in a certain ministry working in church, whatever it is, and they're thinking, I am so bored. I hate this. I got to show up on Sunday and I got, they got me doing this. I don't want to do it. Or I come to Remedy. And all I'm good for is putting out the postmodern snacks for Randall. No, but I've seen it in people's faces. I'm tired of doing this, Randall. Well, you're the one that comes first all the time, you know. What? 
You got to do something here. It's church and God. It is church and God. But are we? But are we compelled to come forward and do it? Did somebody tell you you needed to work with the kids, or did you feel compelled by God to do it? Good for you. Good for you. Would you like to complain? Yes. No, no, you can't. And neither, oh, I love the honesty, and neither can anybody else. <laughs> when we're asked to do it over and over and over again, and you're like, if I put up another chair, if I do tech ministry another Sunday, if I have to clean the floors another week, I'm going to stop coming to church here. Hold on, I'll be back to you on that, Grant. In Ephesians 4, Paul describes what we would call a vocational ministry. What's he talk about in Ephesians 4? Those, called, those worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Remember that in Ephesians 4? So there's another Greek word that comes into this. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right. That Greek word is, where is it? It's a noun. Oh, do I have it in yours? Yes. Klesis. I think that's, it should be easy. A walk worth of klesis that you are kaleoed in. Yes, worthy. I forgot the why. Sorry. Well, let's get this straight. All right. You are kaleoed. Klesis. I know. Klesis, <laughs> and I think I misspelled klesis in the next one. Klesis is the noun form of kaleo. Klesis takes on the meaning of vocation, a work, a career. Right? Same, same sort of thing. Right? Same, same thing. In other words, what the biblical part is telling us is that it's a way of life. Um, the question would be, how do you serve in a spiritual community, a church, remedy, out in the mission field, um, with Samaritan's Purse that's bringing the Christian ministry that's bringing um, tons of help down to the Houston folks. That's serving, right? Okay. There's all sorts of ways to serve. So the question becomes, um, how do you know how a person is to serve in a spiritual community? Or does it... It's, I wrote here, or rather, does it refer to living fully in our spiritual nature? Okay, don't let me lose you here. Okay, we're almost done with this part. So, if Paul's talking about we need to, we're called into a ministry to be apostles or ministers or pastors or teachers, evangelists or whatever, is he talking us about us being living in our we're born again, right? We're, we're clothed and we're, we, we put on this new spiritual body, figuratively or literally. 
So we're new persons in Christ. So if we're going to be fully people of Christ, does that mean, is that our calling, just to be fully people of Christ in whatever we do? Or do we have to be called to something specific? Which is my lead-in to my next, my next part, which are the, the four myths, and then we're going to go off and break into groups. So in other words, one could be kaleoed to offer help ministry of the church, the nursery included, or the janitor. That's what I do at our church a lot. I, I sweep and mop. But there is still a piece missing. Did I put that in your handout? The piece missing is what? Passion. I have to tell you, I don't get passionate about dry mopping and then wet mopping the gym floor over at Bradshaw. I'm not passionate about it. Um, There's plenty of ministries I've done. I, I don't really like picking up the chairs and putting the chairs away. You know, you know what I'm driving at? And you guys have all probably done some stuff that you just aren't particularly passionate about. But the point here is, if you're called into something, if you're kaleoed into something by God for spiritual, spiritually, then ideally you're going to be passionate about it. But there is something you do that you are passionate about. Yes, that is true. And we all need to find that. But don't get to any of my punchlines too too quick here. All right? Um, So if you... And and by the way, just to make, make it perfectly clear, I'm not talking about you shouldn't volunteer at Remedy for anything when I'm begging you or asking you or arm-twisting you to do different things. I'm, I'm not saying that at your, your church you shouldn't mop the floor, put away chairs, put out chairs, greet. We've done it all, haven't we? Yep. Yes. Yep. And I, I'm, so I'm, don't, you know, somebody's got to do the mundane things inside a church or an organization. And you could, you could look at all sorts of biblical examples of that. People, they don't make a big deal about it. You hear about Jesus' miracles. You, you hear about Paul getting, you know, blinded, falling off his horse or his donkey or whatever, and, and Jesus talking to him. How many times did Jesus talk to him? Directly three times, not indirectly, directly three times. You hear about those things, but you don't hear about the people that took care of the donkey and fed it so he could have it to ride on. <laughs> the people that had the stall where Jesus was born. Oh, Saul. I thought you said stall. Stall and Paul, same person. Yes, and it rhymes too. Bam. Uh, Throwing me off my game. Um, so um, you don't hear about the mundane stuff in the Bible very often. But all it happened. You know what happened, right? 
It had to happen. So let's go to the myths. Because if, if, you, if you get pigeonholed or you end up doing ministry that's not working out for you, or you find it boring or inconsequential in the big eternity, like, why am I doing this? Am I making a difference? And typically, people in the 20 and 30-something age group are trying to make a difference. They want to make a difference, right? You want to do something important. You want to do something that has purpose. Am I, am I right or wrong? Do you hear me? Am I, am I on track here? Otherwise, I mean, you do your jobs. You've done, you guys have done all kinds of crazy jobs, right? Some you like better than others. Some you hate. And you're like, is this what God has the purpose for me? I'm not doing my calling. I know I'm not. I'm sure I'm not. When is my calling going to come? When am I going to know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? When am I going to know what I'm going to do to make a difference in the kingdom here on earth? And like all young people, you're impatient with those questions because you want answers sooner than later. I feel you. So, before we break up in groups, the four common myths of vocation. Did I give you those on your sheet? I think I did. The generic view. People are called to serve wherever they can find something to do. That would be like me sweeping the floor and mopping. You know? All right. If you go to church, you're, you're, you're supposed to serve, right? I don't, the nursery, I, I'm glad somebody else is doing the nursery. I'd rather sweep and mop all day long than work in the nursery. Believe me. I tried the nursery. It's definitely not for me. I'm a better mopper and a sweeper than the nursery. Those little, oh boy. They slobber on you. They do all sorts of weird stuff gets on you, and it's like, oh, my. Um, but this view doesn't stand the test of time. Um, if, if you're called by God, if we think God has a unique purpose for our lives, whatever that might be, then doing something that's generic something that you feel like, I just need to plug in and do it, it doesn't serve that purpose. There's nothing unique about it. The spiritual view, a spiritual call comes from the very breath of God. And I know you've all heard people say, God spoke to me in, in a certain way. And I do believe God, not necessarily in an audible voice, but sometimes in an audible voice, but God can speak through you through somebody else, Right? through one of your church leaders, through your parents, through a trusted friend, through the Bible, a prophet. I've had many people in the GAP ministry that I work with have somebody say a prophetess. It's usually a woman for some reason. A prophetess told this person that this was going to happen and that's what they should be doing. Wow, that's whew, great. I hope that works out for you. I mean, that's, that's good. I hope that prophetess is worth their salt. But I, even though it's hard to argue of God speaking to you or speaking through people to you, how do you argue with that? 
And if your parents are telling you this is what you should do, I mean, they're your parents, right? They should be right. They've been right all along, kind of, sort of, in a way. Then you've got the secular view. A vocation has only to do with your working career. Calling, vocation. Remember, these are close cousins. These are brothers from another mother or sisters from the same mister. Okay, and I'm not talking about, you know, water mister here. Okay. Just, just to clarify that. The secular view is the most commonly believed version of vocation. With this view, we merely choose a career, much like students do on career day at high school. Anybody have career day at high school? They still have those? They do, they do those, right? And I have a feeling you, a lot of people in high school start deciding, well, this is where the direction I'm going to go. Seems like the direction I'm going to go. And then they're not quite sure, but then they go to college and they can figure, well, I'll figure it out when I'm in college. Then you come out of college and say, man, I didn't get it all figured out. Then what do you do? Darn it. Pray. Pray. But I've been praying from high school through college. God, show me the way. Well, you sent me to this college, or you sent me in this line of work. You sent me off to, dare I say, Africa. Come on, God. Do you know what you're doing? Did I question God? But the most common element of this secular view is that God's voice is missing if you're not getting a calling at your high school career day. Therefore, there's no guidance from the Holy Spirit. So what a lot of people do, and I'm not talking about anybody in this room, what a lot of people do is they go with their gut feel. They go with their heart. My heart's telling me, my gut feel's telling me that this is what I should be doing. I like little kids, so I should get into teaching little kids. Or... Um, I'm good with numbers, so I should be a math teacher or an accountant, God. Um, or I like working on things, so I should be a mechanic, or <laughs> I'm just playing with you, dude, um, that gets, has to get up at what, how early in the morning? Oh, good golly, that's not a calling, that's a curse. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, yes, it's... No, I'm not... <laughs> Some people like getting up before the sun comes up and the birds start... You know, have you guys ever heard around here? You can actually hear roosters crowing if you get up before the sun comes up. I think that's so cool that people get to hear that every day, and I don't. Anyway... Yeah, there was one right, ac right across the street. They had roosters right there. I think that's the ones I hear from here. Okay, then the fourth, and we'll end here, the locational view. This seems odd, but God calls only to specific places and specific people groups. Derek might be able to preach, uh, talk about that. He can tell you his story on how he was called. To, he thought he was called after much prayer and interest to go to Bangladesh, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Somewhere in Asia. All right. 
something, but a but Bangladesh opened up, but there was all sorts of barriers to go there. So he, he ended up in in West Africa. But if you get called to a certain place, to a certain group of people, and that can be right here in the city, by the way, doesn't have to be some faraway place. There's a problem with that too, because there's what's what's the breadth of that? What's the longevity of that? What if those what if that place changes? Or the people changes? Or you change? Then what's that do to your calling? So if you go where a place with a certain people that you think you're called to, well, there's so many things that can change in that period of time. So that one doesn't hold a lot of water. That's a myth. At least according to the gal, whatever her name is there, in that book. But I like this. She said this is just a cool, cool thing that she said. I'll give her credit for it. These four myths each lack a necessary element, whether it, that be passion, discernment, considering the will of God, or longevity and breadth of the call. And here it is. Vocation happens when heaven and earth kiss. Isn't that cool? Vocation happens when heaven and earth kiss. Vocation combines everything that we have experienced, including our pain, our mistakes, uh, our uh, failures. It also combines that with our gifts and things that capture our imagination. And then God says, quote, why don't you do something about this need? Think of Matthew West's song. Why don't you use your gifts, your skills, and your story? And if you do, you're going to be happy. That's what she says. You've got to figure out I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. So let's break up into some groups.